You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today, the topic of our podcast is Dancing with the Shadow. Last week, I talked about the dark night of the soul and the role this process has in our transformation, both personally and collectively. This week, I'd like to delve deeper into the shadow. The title of this week's podcast, Dancing with the Shadow, comes from a song I wrote about my own process going deeper into the shadow and embracing it. The dance suggests that we learn to romance the shadow side of ourselves rather than run from it or find fault with it. The shadow is the part of us that remains hidden from ourselves. It's the part that perhaps we haven't wanted to look at or that's too painful to look at. Nevertheless, it's there, controlling our lives in so many ways. The law of attraction has us visualizing what it is we want to manifest in our life and developing a positive attitude about what we intend to create. However, the shadow is more powerful in creating our reality than conscious envisioning or intention setting. For example, if you have a pattern of attracting toxic relationships or narcissistic partners, it's the subconscious part of you, what lies in the shadow, that's doing the attraction. You don't intend to attract another toxic relationship. You don't visualize another narcissistic partner. On the contrary, you may put a lot of energy and effort into attracting a really great, emotionally available, healthy partner on a conscious level. But once you're well into the relationship, you realize you did it again. You find yourself in yet another unhealthy relationship. You don't change your patterns simply by being conscious of them, although being conscious of your patterns is the first step. We can't change anything that we're not aware of. Once we become aware that we have a subconscious pattern, we can begin the process of dancing with the shadow, bringing what is hidden within us to light and loving that part of ourselves. We may find that there is a very wounded child within who we have unconsciously given our car keys to. What I mean by this is we have unknowingly allowed the emotional part of us to be in control, discounting our logic and reasoning. We may believe we're following our heart when really we're just giving in to our emotions. The logic and reasoning part of us may tell us, look at this red flag, or this isn't right. But the emotional part of us may override the logic and reasoning and say, but I really want a relationship now, and this is the best choice I have. I can't wait any longer. I want it now. If you think about it, 
This is the child mind. The child wants the cookie now. It wants instant gratification. And if told to wait, it might throw a tantrum. Being a mother, I had a difficult time not giving in to the demands of my child when he was young. I wanted him to be happy and I wanted to avoid his tantrums. However, I still had to say no and not let him have whatever he wanted when he wanted it. This is simply good parenting, but it's not always easy. We need to learn to be good parents to our inner child. It's important to be aware of the child and what his or her needs are. What is he or she demanding of you? What are your child, your inner child's fears? When I do hypnotherapy, I often find the inner child huddled in a dark corner of the psyche, completely untrusting, hurt, afraid, angry, feeling alone and abandoned. I guide the parent self to find that child and ask it to tell her what it needs. It may need to be held, loved, and rescued from its dark abyss. But it also may not trust the adult self because it's the adult who shoved it into the dark abyss in the first place and abandoned it. In order to have complete healing, the adult self needs to understand when and why it pushed the child away and how he or she has abandoned the inner child. We may have strong fears of abandonment that prevent us from leaving a bad relationship, but those abandonment fears so often have self-abandonment at the core. When we abandon the innocent part of ourselves, banishing it to the darkness, it would make sense this innocent child within will feel abandoned and fear abandonment. It's important to understand why we abandon the child in the first place in order to rescue it and make the promise that we won't abandon it again. I know for myself, when I did the majority of my inner child work, I realized that as a child, I experienced a lot of shame and abuse. And as a result, I felt unworthy, unloved, and neglected. As I grew up, I didn't want anything to do with that unworthy, unloved child. I unconsciously found her to be unlovable, and so I banished her to the shadows. I put on my false self, the self I had created that had the outer appearance of being strong, confident, and likable. But underneath the confident exterior was this deep sense of unworthiness, the shameful part of myself that I cast to the shadows. I had to make friends with this fragile, innocent child within and give to her the love, attention, and affection she needed. I rescued her from the shadows. I apologized for abandoning her and neglecting her. I recognized she was an important part of me and she needed to be integrated with my grown-up self. This was the beginning of a love story. It was the love story between my adult and inner child. 
where I learned to really embrace her, give her the attention she needed, listen to her, and let her know how worthy of love that she is. As a result of this work, I began to feel whole on a level I never had before. I was no longer an empty shell with a confident exterior. I was beginning to be filled up with all of those parts of myself I didn't want to look at or own. The inner child is a major part of us that often gets banished to the shadows in childhood. But there are other parts that also live in the shadows. There may be an angry part, a controlling part, a fearful part, a creative part, a judge, and others. I often use the term inner child and pain body interchangeably because the child is the emotional part of us that holds the pain. Our core wounds from early childhood are embedded in the subconscious part of us that belongs to the inner child. Because it is our nature to seek pleasure and avoid pain, we end up avoiding the inner child because she's where we hold our pain. We don't want to feel it, and we can't heal what we can't feel. When we welcome the inner child to the surface of our awareness, we also welcome all of the pain. You can imagine what it might be like adopting a child who has come from a great deal of trauma. That child isn't going to be this fully open, trusting child who is automatically receptive to your love and kindness. You have to build her trust and provide a safe place for her to work through her pain and the painful memories. Most of us suppress this part of ourselves because we simply don't want to feel the pain. Our healing can only come when we welcome the inner child and all of his or her pain to come to the surface and be a part of our life. We need to create a safe place to feel that pain and integrate the inner child and the adult. When we do this, much of the fullness of our life can be restored. We become more authentic. We embrace more of our creativity. We become more trusting, loving, and nurturing. This is because we've offered these things to the most innocent part of ourselves. And this is the true meaning of self-love. So what about all that fear? We're living in a time where fear is at an all-time high. We have the fear of getting sick the fear of dying, the fear of dying alone, the fear of being judged, the fear of being shamed, the fear of being abused for your choice of political candidates, the fear of social isolation, the fear of losing one's income, and the list goes on. We may know why we are afraid, but we may not know the peace that lives in the shadows. The most basic fears, other than the common fear of death, is a fear of rejection and a fear of abandonment. 
In fact, these are two universal fears shared by just about everyone. Although the intensity of these fears may vary from person to person. The fears around how other people perceive us for our choices is tied in with both the fear of rejection and the fear of abandonment. If we vote for the wrong candidate, we may be rejected by our friends who are on the other side. This would result in abandonment. I've seen this a lot over the past year with so many differing views of how to handle the COVID-19 pandemic. Since there's so much conflicting information and science, there's also equally conflicting beliefs and points of view. The problem with differing points of view is that everybody believes their point of view is the right one. So here we are back to that narcissistic superiority. I am right. You are not only wrong, but stupid for thinking or believing the way that you do. This is a really common thought process right now. Our hidden shadows are all doing their own dance in scenarios like this. The part of our shadow that judges others for their opposing beliefs or choices finds the idea of being wrong intolerable. The inner judge is a very narcissistic entity. It judges from its own sense of superiority and fear of being wrong. Because to a narcissist, being wrong is associated with death. Being wrong may have resulted in being harshly punished as a child or humiliated by a teacher in front of your classmates or being rejected. And so that false self, the inflated superior self, is self-righteous. It inflates itself and its worldview by deflating others. Now, we can all have narcissistic behaviors, but not be a full-blown narcissist. Once again, I remind you that we live in a narcissistic society, and we've all been exposed to the inferior, superior, right-wrong, good, bad type of black and white thinking that causes us to polarize with others, finding fault with them, judging them, and casting them out of our lives. When we have these kinds of behaviors in our shadow, but we're not aware of them, they take on a life of their own, one which we don't seem to have control of. A person may say, I don't understand why I don't have any friends, any real friends. If that person does their shadow work, they may find that they have a very low tolerance for people who have different beliefs, opinions, and views from what they have. Instead of accepting differences in others, they judge them and argue with them, trying to get them to see their point of view. Or worse yet, they find fault with them. They may think of them as ignorant and walk away. When someone can become aware of their own behavior and how it shows up in their relationships in negative or destructive ways, they can begin to make changes. But it takes a mature person to become self-aware and make necessary changes for a healthy, happy life. Delving into our shadow is hard work. 
we need to develop a tolerance for the deep emotional pain and shame that is unearthed as we self-reflect and discover not so nice things about ourselves. We need to be willing to look at how our self-judgment may result in judgment of others, how our feelings of inferiority may translate as an attempt to feel superior to others or make others superior to us. We need to look at how our deepest fears run our lives, how our fear of abandonment keeps us holding on to toxic relationships, or how our fear of failure prevents us from going after the career we want, or how our fear of rejection keeps us from taking any risk in life. We also need to look at our fears around expressing our own thoughts, opinions, and desires for fear of being rejected or causing conflict. Shadow work can be a really beautiful, empowering work because it allows us to grow beyond our previous limitations. It allows us to be more self-aware, which results in greater awareness of our environment, of what's going on around us. It helps us to build confidence and step out into the world more fully alive and more completely who we are. When we suppress so many aspects of ourselves due to our fear and our unconsciousness, we live our lives according to what we believe will bring us the most acceptance, approval, and validation, or what will bring us the most likes on Facebook or attention on Instagram. But how many people lost in the world of social media approval really know who they are? How many attention seekers are truly authentic? Of course, social media does draw out some pretty outrageous, authentic, and outspoken people, but it also sets people up for competition for attention and validation. And if they don't get the attention and validation they seek, they may fall into depression. They may even have suicidal ideation. Especially the younger people who have grown up on social media and see their friends on social media as their peer group, even if they don't know them personally. When someone falls into depression and suicidal ideation for any reason at all, it's time to do some deep reflection to look into the shadow within and see what within that shadow is asking for your attention. The shadow might be asking for your attention when you're trying to get that attention from outside, from the outside world, when it's really that deeper part of you that needs your attention. Normally, when we are depressed, unhappy, or dissatisfied in life, there's something in our shadow asking to be seen, heard, and acknowledged. As we learn to dance with the shadow, we invite it to be part of our life and develop our awareness to the point where we can look deeper and acknowledge the cutoff aspects of ourselves that we weren't willing to look at before. Shadow work doesn't have to be all dark. It really can be liberating. Because as you learn what is causing you to be depressed, to be unhappy or dissatisfied, you can make changes 
and begin, begin living a life more true to yourself. You can be freer. Within that shadow is also the root of your addictions as well as all of your distractions. Are you addicted to drugs, to alcohol, to food? Are you addicted to another person? Are you addicted to work, to the internet, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Are you addicted to your phone? Are you addicted to sex or porn? Are you addicted to having the perfect body? Or are you addicted to perfection itself? All of our addictions and distractions are showing us that there's something within our shadow that needs our attention. There's something in the darkness that needs to be brought to light. Often, what lies in the shadow is our dark emotions. And I don't particularly like the word dark emotions because emotions are really neither dark or light. They're just emotions. And they either feel good or they don't. If they don't feel good, we tend to label them as dark, such as our anger, rage, fear, sadness, grief, loneliness, and desperation. Our society teaches us to suppress these uncomfortable emotions and pretend to be happy, whether or not we are. We put on a happy face. We learn to smile, regardless of what's going on inside. Our social media reflects this insanity as we post only what we want others to see. Our social media presentation can end up being a complete fabrication, hiding our true self from the world. When we cut off from all our painful and uncomfortable emotions and only give voice to our positive emotions, it may seem we are engaged in positive thinking, but the deeper truth is that we are denying a big part of who we are. We're amputating what we don't like about ourselves, or rather delegating it to the shadows. We can only be whole when we own our dark side. So in our quest for wholeness, we may try a lot of things, but the only work that will truly bring you wholeness is shadow work. You have to pull all those disowned parts of yourself from the shadows to the light of your awareness. Once you pull these parts forward, then you have to deal with them. You have to own them, accept them, and work with them. For example, if you become aware of some deep-seated fears, you need to work with these fears and find healthy ways to handle them. Let's say you have a really strong fear of rejection that has been preventing you from doing so many things that you would like to do. You become aware of this powerful fear of rejection, but this doesn't mean that now you can step out and do all those things easily and effortlessly. No, you have to develop a motto to feel the fear and do it anyway. The more you step out and do those things that 
terrify you, such as public speaking, dating, going after that job, or going to social events, the more that you will build that muscle. You may always be uneasy doing these things that formerly terrified you, but you won't let your fears prevent you from living your best life. I used to be terrified of performing musically and of public speaking, but I made myself do it because it was necessary for the advancement 